all of your mind, the best of your ability. See, here's the thing. God requires of us, whether it's me as a pastor, whether it's those working in the sound booth, whether it's our musicians and singers, our ushers, our greeters, our Sunday school teachers, whatever area of ministry that, that you may be called to or be in in the church, within the church, you need to do that ministry with total excellence to the very best that you can do it. Amen? Amen. I, I preached on Daniel here a few years ago, uh, a, a short series of messages from Daniel on um, Daniel having an excellent spirit. The Bible said there was an excellent spirit in him. He did everything with excellence. We need to excel in the work of the ministry. So you know if we're supposed to do our, our secular job as good as we can to the best of our ability. I mean, what if you were having surgery and the surgeon come in and he says, I really don't want to be here today. So I'm going to do, I, I'm gonna do, you, do you a little operation here. But I'm not at my best. I'd rather be out fishing or something. Amen. You want that dude to come in there and be at the top of his game. Come on, somebody. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? Well, then it should be that way. Uh, even so much more when it comes to the work of the ministry. When it comes to what we're doing for the Lord. Amen. If we're leading worship, if we're preaching, if we're teaching a Sunday school class, whatever we're doing, we need to give it our very best. God will, if we'll give God our best, then he will take us, he will anoint us, and he will use us for the glory of God. Somebody says, yeah. Amen. Somebody says, well, I don't have much to offer. And see, that's the thing. God is just looking for you, for what you have to give him. If you give him what you have, he will anoint that and use that and make something great out of it. Amen. Praise God. God's not as much looking for ability as he is availability. Woo! Amen? I mean, anybody ever used a rock for a hammer before? Huh? Why? Because a hammer wasn't available. But there was a rock there, so you needed it right then, and you could use it. See, God can take us if we make ourselves available to him then he can take us and use us for, to do great things for him. But this was a zeal that Elisha had. Amen? He was, he was going after, uh, after Elijah and following this calling with excellence with all that he had. He was going to give it his best. He ran after Elijah. Amen? So, so we, shouldn't, we should give our very best to the Lord, especially, you know, and, and that's in any area that we... That we are involved in in the church, but especially to those who are, who are involved in areas of ministry in the church. We need to give it our very best. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, I, could, I, I was reading my wife here the other day, some of my notes. She said, you need to preach that on Sunday morning. Who knows if I will or not? Maybe. Amen. But Elisha becomes a servant of Elijah. It says that in verse 21 that he ran after him and he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. He became the servant of Elisha. And his first job that he had, now listen, 
his first job. Did Elisha, the day he was called and began to follow Elijah, did he go out and start performing miracles that day? Did he go out and start prophesying that day? No. No. What did he do? What was his first responsibility? I'm laying some foundation here tonight, but I think this would be some good stuff for us. What, what, what did he do? The Bible said his first job was a humble one to begin with. His first area of ministry was that he ministered to Elijah. He became his servant. 2 Kings 3.11, it says that he was known as the one who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Remember, remember Brother Leon Batchelor preaching that message on pouring water? He poured water on the hands of Elijah. What does that mean? It means that Elisha was faithful just to serve the man of God until God got ready to promote him and use him in his ministry. Amen? Well, you know, glory to God. See, that's, that's the thing, though. Most people today want to start out at the top. Even within the church and in the ministry, they, 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 want, they just want to come in and just start at the top. But how many knows it doesn't, it doesn't work that way? They want to be in the spotlight, but it just doesn't work that way. That, not with the work of God. Of course, it doesn't in the secular world either. You have to climb the ladder. And, and how many knows it's that way in the work of the Lord as well? You have to prove yourself. All of us do have to prove ourselves faithful if we want God to exalt us and promote us, we have to humble ourselves, be faithful in the areas that, that God has placed us in. And if and when we are faithful, God starts us down at the bottom. He starts us down just pouring water, just doing what we can do. I, I made mention of it Sunday morning, you know, that I, I got in that place. So I told the Lord, I said, I don't care. I, I, don't, I, I just want to be in a church. I just want to be faithful to the pastor. I just want to do what, whatever he needs me to do. And I did that. Amen. I did that. And, and, and do you know what? It's when you get in that place, then in God's time, when God's ready, God can bring you up and then God can, can anoint you and exalt you. You've got to learn to be faithful in the low place. Come on. When you're faithful in the low place, when you're faithful in the place that does get very much recognition when nobody when you're not in the spotlight and nobody's applauding you and nobody's amening you and nobody's patting you on the back but you know what whether anybody else sees you or not there is one who does see you and that is the Lord and he takes the account of your faithfulness amen and when you're faithful in those little jobs, in those little duties, that's when God can promote you and exalt you. Amen? That's when he can take you then to a higher level. I mean, Joshua was, you know, faithful to serve Moses for, for years and years and years. It was Joshua who went up the mountain with Moses the two times that Moses went up and spent 40 days in the presence of God without, without eating or drinking. It was Joshua was there. Some people don't realize, you know, they said, well, Moses fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Well, so did Joshua because Joshua was with him up there. He was there to serve him. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't anything special, anything big, but he was faithful to serve 
Moses. And so when it came time that Moses passed off the scene, who was the one that God raised up and exalted? Wasn't it Joseph? Or I mean uh, Joshua? Wasn't it Joshua? Joshua raised him up. Same thing with Joseph. It was Joseph who was faithful in Potiphar's house when he was down there in Egypt and he didn't understand what he was going through. It was Joseph who was faithful when he was down there in the prison and he, he, he had all of the prisoners under his, under his supervision and he was faithful to the Lord there and he was faithful to do what God had given him to do there. And it was because of his obedience and his faithfulness in the low place that God was then able to exalt him up to a higher place. Come on, amen. amen. Woo, hallelujah. Glory to God. See, if we want God's blessing in our life, if we want God's promotion in our life, if we want God to do something and exalt us, listen, we never, ever, none of us ever want to be guilty of self-exaltation. We never want to lift up ourselves or exalt ourselves. But if we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, the Bible said, then He will exalt us in due season. Hallelujah. And I can tell you, I can tell you that if you've been faithful to the Lord in those little things and nobody may even know nothing about it, I can tell you that your due season is coming, that God will exalt and promote and bless your life. Oh, give us some Elishas that are just willing to pour water on the hands of the man of God that are willing to do the menial tasks and the little things and be faithful in those little things so then God can use them in the greater things. That's what we're talking about. Hallelujah. Psalm 75 says that promotion comes not from the, from the east or the west or the south, but promotion comes from the Lord. Notice it didn't mention the north because that's where God's at. That's where heaven is, to the north end, of, to the north of the universe. But promotion comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Elisha was to take Elijah's place. It was a tremendous calling. And it was some very, very, very big shoes to fill. But he was able to fill them when the time came and God gave him the anointing. Did he not? Not only that, he gave him a double portion of the anointing to be able to do the, the, the thing that he had called him to do. See, when God calls you to do something for him, whatever it may be, whatever area of ministry it may be, the task many times may seem daunting and it may seem impossible, but if, you, if God has called you, God will give you the power and the anointing and the ability to, to be able to do what he's called you to do. There's an anointing. There's a calling and an anointing, uh, a pastoral anointing that God provides a man or woman, an individual that he's called into the pastoral ministry. People that try to pastor churches without that pastoral anointing never are successful. Most of the time you'll find them staying at a church a year, a year and a half, 
and then going somewhere else. They're always looking for somewhere else. And, and I, you know, that's the, I think that's the average nationwide is about 18 months that a pastor stays in a church. I don't believe you can be successful as a pastor and, and just be at a church for a year and a half and then jump and go somewhere else for a year and a half and then somewhere else. You just as well go on the evangelistic field. Amen. I believe in longevity in the pastoral ministry. I believe that when God calls a man or woman to, pat, to be the pastor of a church, and there may be some exceptions where he may move them, but I believe, I feel it is a life's calling that he places them there to stay there and the problem is with a lot of people, with a lot of, a lot of pastors, is that they'll, they'll stay till the first problem comes along. You know, anytime, <laughs> anytime a pastor goes to a new pastorate, there's honeymoon period. Honeymoon time. I mean, they love him. He's new to them, and they're new to him, and they get along. But, boy, the first time there's a struggle or the first time there's a problem, he starts thinking, well, you know, I probably need to move on. Amen. And there's some, been some people in some churches that have tried to move them on and starve them out. And uh, you hear all kinds of horror stories. Like, I'd, be, I'd be afraid. I'd be afraid to try to starve out a man of God from a church. Come on, somebody. Hold my ties back. Star, I'd be afraid to do that. None of this is in my notes either. But. but when God calls a man to pastor, a woman to pastor, whoever, he gives them the anointing and the ability to do that. Can't do it. There's, you know, you can thank God for schooling and training and all those things, but I'm going to tell you something. There's stuff that happens in the pastorate that they don't tell you about. <laughs> Amen. It has to be hands-on. It has to be, there has to be an anointing that is there to, to, to give you the ability. But if God has called that person, if God's called that individual to be that pastor or whatever that ministry they're in, to be an evangelist, and we, we know some folks that are evangelists that been, have been, Brother Rod's been on the evangelistic field nearly 40 years as a full-time evangelist. That's his calling. I couldn't do that. I did evangelize. I did do that for a number of years. I believe every pastor needs to serve as an evangelist so they'll know how to treat an evangelist. And I believe every evangelist needs to take a couple of years out to spend some time pastoring the church so that evangelists will have a little bit of an idea on what it's like to be a pastor. Come on, amen. We, need, we all need some on-the-job training. Amen. <laughs> amen. Oh, man, I'm really I'm chasing rabbits tonight, ain't I? Maybe not. But my point is this. The calling was there. When, he, when Elisha was faithful, the calling was there and the anointing was there to fulfill the calling. I remember when we started this church and, and we were over here, we were down the road here for 10 years in that little building, that little, I guess you could call it a storefront church. It was a storage building, warehouse church. I, there at one time I was calling it Warehouse Worship Center. 
<laughs> but, we, but we were there for 10 years. And, uh, you know, we had bought property. And I've told the story before, so I won't go into that. But different things happened and problems arose within the church. And we had some people leave and, and, and some people left and, and just different things, you know. And, and uh, I just got discouraged. I thought, well, you know, we just wait. And I even told the Lord, I said, if you want us to stay in this little warehouse until the rapture, then that's what I'll do. I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. And then I told him, I said, I don't really think that's your will, but I am willing to stay here. I'm going to preach just like there was 500 or 1,000 or what I'm going to preach and do the work of the Lord and do the will of the Lord. And, and so I submitted to that. Well, I was faithful, faithful in a little. God will make you, he'll, he'll promote you. Amen. And it wasn't long after that, this property came open. We bought this property and, and began the construction on this church. And I've told this before, but I, I'll never forget when they were putting the framework up of this church and they had put the trusses up. It was a windy day, and I, I was here and watched them put up the trusses, and, and, uh, and I was standing right here after the trusses were up, and I, I'm just looking up through there. I was looking at all the framework, and I was looking up through the, through the ceiling, through those trusses to that blue sky, and it, it just finally the weight of it began to, to dawn. It just began to dawn on me what, what God was doing here. And, and I looked around at everything, and I, I'll never forget this, as long as I live, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I can't do this. I said, I don't have the ability. I can't do this. It's too big for me. Amen? But can I tell you what? God, God's spirit came on me and it was like the Lord said, you're not doing it, I am. I just gave glory to God. Hallelujah. I just gave it to the Lord. I'm telling you, when you submit to that calling, when you submit to that calling, then God will give you the ability and the strength and the anointing and the grace that will come with that calling to be able to do what he's called you to do. Amen? It's like, you know, I've heard people say, I don't know, they'd be afraid to submit to God because God may, may, may call them on the mission field. Or God, I'd be afraid to submit to God and tell the Lord, I'll go where you want me to go because the Lord may send me to Africa or may send me to, to some foreign country. Let me tell you something. If God does call you to that, you, you can't, you'd be like Elisha. You'd be running after that calling. If God called you to that, you couldn't wait to get there. The desire is there. That's the way it is with Morgan. When she submitted to that call, the desire to do it is there. The anointing to do it is there. Come on, somebody. Amen. Whatever God calls you to do, the desire to do it is there. If he calls you to sing, if he calls you to play music for him, if he calls you to lead worship, there's a yearning and a desire there and it should be a desire to do your very best for the Lord Jesus, to run after that calling, to run after that calling. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. I get carried away. I got to close this out. Amen? But God is the one that does the work. He provides the ability. So when Elijah left for glory in a whirlwind, then the Spirit 
that was on Elijah came and rested upon Elisha. What was he doing? A double portion of the spirit of Elijah came and rested on Elijah. He was equipping him, glory to God, to do the work that he was going to have to step in and fill those shoes of this great prophet of God. Who, how could anybody fill those shoes? I know he had to feel his inability and his inadequacy. That's why he asked for that double portion. I got to have a double portion of the Spirit of God that's on you. I feel that way so much, so many, many times. I don't think there's a day, day goes by when I'm not calling on the Lord saying, I need your help today. I can't preach without you. I, you know, I, I know, I've, I don't know. I, some preachers have counted how many sermons they've preached. I don't know how many sermons I've preached. It's been a lot. It's been a lot just in the last 16 years, just in this church. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, there's not a time at all all the times I've preached, there's not a time that I come, whether it's a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, where I'm not calling on the Lord and saying, when I get behind that pulpit, Lord, I've got to have your help. I've got to have your anointing. You've got to use me. I don't know how to do this. I've got to have the Holy Spirit to help me. Hallelujah. And that's what Elisha was feeling when he said, oh, i got to have a double portion of that spirit. And God answered that prayer, and God gave that double portion. And he was enabled to be a prophet, Elisha was. He was enabled to be a prophet in Elijah's place. And when Elijah and Elisha crossed over that Jordan, we preached on it here a while back, don't tell Vicky I didn't have a white handkerchief tonight. <laughs> and they crossed over that Jordan, and Elijah took the mantle, the prophet's mantle, and he rolled it up, and he smote the waters of the river, Jordan River. And when he did, guess what happened? They split wide open. And, and Elijah and Elisha walked over on dry ground. That was the power of the Spirit of God that was on Elijah. But Elisha, after he received that mantle, picked up that mantle, he walked over, didn't he? Come on. He walked over himself and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And smote those waters with that prophet's mantle. And the same spirit and the same power and the same anointing that was upon Elijah was upon Elisha. He had, God had equipped him to do what he had called him to do. He'll never call you to do something and they just leave you out in the cold. He always provides the equipment and the ability to do the work that he's called us to do. Come on, amen? Oh, I got to close. I know you get tired of hearing me say that. I can't talk about preaching too long because Sister Reed's going to whoop me. <laughs> What was the message? And I'm going to close with this. What was the message of Elisha? We've looked at his calling. But, and he had a great calling, and that it's a calling that came from God. He was called, he was equipped. But now, what was going to be his message? The time comes for Elijah to be translated. And as we said, Elisha accompanies him over the Jordan River. It was there he asked for a double portion of the Spirit that rested upon Elijah. And he watches as the chariot 
uh, and the horses of fire and the whirlwind, the horses chariot of fire comes down and, and, and Elijah steps in and he's swept into glory in that chariot of fire. And that mantle that he had, remember we preached on that, that mantle that he had, he dropped the mantle, the mantle fell, and Elisha goes over and he picks up the fallen mantle of the great prophet of God. And with that, he begins his prophetic ministry that lasted uh, over 50 years. But when Elijah came, or when Elisha came back to the Jordan River, he took that mantle of Elijah and he smote the waters just like Elijah had done. And he cried out and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He asked that question. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he smote the waters with that mantle and they parted just like they had parted for the prophet of God, Elijah. So Elisha knew, oh hallelujah, Elisha knew what the God of Elijah could do. And so Elisha knew that he could ask for nothing better and he would settle for nothing less than what God had done for Elijah. Are you with me? Amen? He knew, Elisha did, that he must have the same power of Elisha's God and that, that then he had to know that the God of Elisha, of Elijah, was still there. So he goes over in that, those words, where is the Lord God of Elijah? God's, Elijah, Elijah's God had to still be alive, had to still be operating in power. So the thing that we see here is that Elisha, fresh with a fresh anointing, a fresh call of God, launching out into a brand new ministry to step into the shoes of this great prophet of God has no new message. No new methods. No new program. No new God that he's discovered. But he goes forth to preach and to teach and to heal and to operate in the power of the name of Elijah's God. Come on, amen. And he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? See, we know what the God of Elijah, and we know what the God, listen, the God of Elijah, the God of Peter and John and Paul and all of the apostles, we know what that God was able to do. We know tonight, we know what the gospel of redemption through the cross and through the blood of Jesus can do. We know tonight, for a fact what this old-fashioned faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints, we know what faith in this book and the God of heaven, we know what that can produce and we know what that can do and we know what it did for Peter and Elijah and Paul and the apostles and we know what that God of Elijah did for the early church 
church, why in the world would we want to try to find anything different or anything new to bring into the church thinking that we can top the God of Elijah? Elisha knew there wasn't anything any better than what Elijah, he didn't want a new program. He said, I want twice as much of what you got. We don't need a new gospel. We don't need a new program. We don't need a new method. What we need is a fresh anointing of the old-fashioned Holy Ghost and power. Hallelujah. Woo! I know that isn't popular today. I know that's not popular preaching, but you're stuck with it. That faith that was once delivered to the saints has lifted empires off of their hinges. This gospel of redemption through Christ and through His shed blood is the salt that has kept civilization from corruption and has trained. Where would we be? You see how bad it is now in this world and in this nation. Where would it be without the salt of this gospel that's being preached today? Amen. Hallelujah. I think the reason it's getting worse is because there's too many preachers and too many churches that have forsaken the power of the God of Elijah. They've forsaken the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And that's what, that, that's what Jude wrote about. He said, we must earnestly, earnestly contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Listen, there's not a new gospel. There's not a new revelation. Anything new is not right. Come on, somebody. Amen. It's the same gospel. It's the faith that's been once and for all delivered to the saints. The same God of Elijah was the same God of Paul and Peter and James and John, and he's the same God today, and we need the same power today. Hallelujah. 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 It's this gospel of redemption through Christ, the preaching and the message of the cross of Christ that has transformed lives and changed entire communities and nations. It's turned blasphemers into apostles. It's turned thieves and murderers into preachers. It's brought light and hope to countless souls. It's made, this gospel has made the harlot holy and the liar truthful and the drunk sober and the worthless worthful. Come on, amen? Hallelujah. It's the gospel that's been around all these centuries that has given the power and the, and the joy and the hope and sent that Christian march off to prison and even to death with a song in their heart and a spring in their step and joy in their soul praising almighty God. Amen? Hallelujah. So before we abandon that gospel, we had better make sure before we throw this one away, we'd better make sure that we have a better one. Before we throw away the mantle of Elijah or the mantle of Peter or Paul, we had better make 
make sure that we have a better one that can work the same mighty miracles that was worked by them, by their God. Amen? And that, my friend, is the problem of this modern day church. Always looking for something new. Always looking for something better. I don't want nothing new. Give me the mantle of Elijah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Where is the Lord God of Elijah today? He's still alive and well. Amen. He's still alive and well today. That's what we have to have, ladies and gentlemen. Hallelujah. We're not going to trade the mantle of the Lord Jesus Christ for a powerless gospel that cannot change anybody's life. We're not going to compromise the Word of God and, 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 and do away with the power of the Holy Spirit to try to fill a building. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Elisha didn't boast of having discovered something new. His message was the same old message that his predecessor preached. He preached the same message of repentance, the same message of righteousness that Elijah had preached under the same anointing and the same power. See, listen, the preacher's not an inventor. We're not supposed to be inventing or discovering something new or always looking for something new. That's the way the Athenians were. It said in Acts 17 that they spent all of their time to hear us, to tell some new thing. And there's so many churches that are that way today. So many new programs. Let's just find something new that will excite the people and bring them in. You know, and I've said this before, whatever you do to get people to come in, you're going to have to keep doing to keep people from coming in. Amen. God didn't call us to have some uh, a dog and pony show, amen, to attract the, the multitudes. He's given us the mantle of the power of the Holy Ghost and he's told us to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hadn't found anything better, praise God, nothing better than what Elijah had. I hadn't found anything better than what Jesus had. I hadn't found anything better than what Paul had, what Peter had. We just need a double portion of that. Glory to God, hallelujah. He's not made me an inventor to try to come up with some new scheme or new idea. He's made that preacher a herald. He's made that preacher a proclaimer. We are to proclaim the gospel of Jesus, to preach the word of Almighty God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Sister Debbie, come on. She's going to sing. Play.